0: Morning, West Coast Baptist College. How is everyone? Good. Everybody ready for the school year to be over? All right. Project's done. Papers in. Ready to ace the test. Yes, living on faith, aren't we? Second Corinthians chapter number five. 2 Corinthians chapter number five. It is a joy to be with you, and I love this place. I'm jealous that you get to stay here and learn. Uh, I hope that you will soak it in. I wish many times I could go back to Bible college and uh, relearn some things and learn some things that I should have. Uh, So please take every advantage of this time that you have. It is a blessed, blessed time of your life. And I appreciate the opportunity to be with you this morning. And California is a great place to pastor. We need more California pastors. We need more California Christian workers. And uh, man, if God would lead you to be in California, God bless you. I'll help you any way that I can. 2 Corinthians chapter number 5 this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. And we have some very familiar scripture before us. We'll start with verse number 14. The Bible says, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge, that if one died for all, then we're all dead, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's deed, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Let's pray, may we? Heavenly Father, we love you so much. And God, I thank you, Lord, for this place, for these teachers, professors, and Father, these dear students. And God, I pray, Lord, for the next few moments that you would free us of distraction, that you would help our ears to be open and help us, God, to have our attention fixed upon you and upon your word. Father, I pray, Lord, for this student body, that you would keep them, that you would bless them, that you would lead them and guide them, that you would provide for them. God, that you would increase their faith, that they would trust you with their burdens. Lord, that they would find you faithful as you truly are. God, bless our time together. Do the work that I cannot do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for standing. Please be seated if you would. I would like to draw your attention, if I may, back to verse number 14. The Bible says, for the love of Christ constraineth us because we thus judge. Paul here is saying that he has made a judgment. He has weighed the evidence and he has come to a conclusion. He has come to a decision. That decision is very simple. The verse continues that if one died for all, then were all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Paul said, I've made a judgment. I have come to a conclusion. I have made a decision. And it is very simple and it is very profound at the same time and that is simply that if Jesus was willing to die for me, then I should be willing to live for him. Most of us are here because we have made a similar judgment, a similar decision. For most of us, if not all, there was a time in our life, whether at U Conference or camp or or your home church or, or there at your house, where you made a decision that you were going to follow Christ with your life, that you were going to surrender your will, you were going to surrender your dreams, you were so captivated by the person and the love of the Lord Jesus Christ that you said, God, here am I, send me whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go, I am yours. You are God and I am the servant. And we made that decision that we were going to live for Christ. For me, it was when I was 17 years old. Our church had a church camping activity. We went canoeing and went camping and me and my U pastor were the last two to go to sleep and we were sitting by the campfire and he was asking me all the regular U pastor questions. So what are you going to do after high school? What are you going to do with your life? What do you want? What do you think God would have you to do? And he began to talk to me about ministry and he began to talk to me about Bible college and, and it was all new to me because I was from a church where nobody went to Bible college. And as we sat by that fire, and God began to work on my heart, I left the campfire that night, and I went into my parents' camper, and I laid. And I grew up in Indiana, and it was humid during the summertime, and a little muggy in that uh, camper. And I sat there, and I tossed and turned, and I tossed and turned, and I tossed and turned. And I came to the conclusion, and I just said, God, if you want me to preach, then I'll preach. I made that decision beloved most of you have made that decision god i'm i will live for you we have made that decision but let me ask you how's it going are you living out that decision i don't know about you but some days i struggle to live for the lord like i ought to Some days I struggle to find the motivation. Sometimes I struggle to find the love for people. Sometimes I struggle not to focus on the distractions and the vainness that can be the Christian life, but to keep my eyes fixed upon my Savior. Paul simply said, we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him. Number one, this morning, we see Paul's motive. Paul was motivated, driven, compelled, held in place by the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. We see that in verse 14. The Bible says, For the love of Christ constraineth us. Beloved, the best part of Christianity is Christ? He is that friend that's to get closer than a brother. He is our strength. He is our peace. He is our portion. He is our joy. And when I find myself losing motivation, when I find myself uh, not at peace, when I find myself losing joy in the Christian life, I realize that I've taken my eyes off of my Savior and put them onto myself or something else. The best part of Christianity truly is Christ. For the love of Christ constraineth us. What was it that held Paul on his course? Paul said that I may finish my course with joy. What was it that held Paul on that course? It was the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul would go into a city and he would preach the gospel and he would get death threats. And he would get thrown in prison and he would get beatings and they would stone him. And yet he would go to the next town and do the very same thing. What was it that kept him going? What was it that drove him? What was it that motivated him? What was it that held him in place? It was the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. For the love of Christ constraineth us. You came to West Coast Baptist College. You came here because this is where you felt like God wanted you to be. You came here because Jesus died for you and you love him and you wanted to live for him. Beloved, let me ask you, is it still the love of Christ that constrains you day by day? Is it still the love of Christ when you go out to the ministry that holds you on course that drives you? Is it still the love of Christ that drives you when you're in that classroom? Is it still the love of Christ that drives you as you work in that ministry? Is it still the love of Christ that is your main motivation for the Christian life? God wrote to the church of Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2, verse number 4. He noted their labor, he noted their works, but he says to them, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love beloved if we're not careful we will make the christian life not about christ but about ourselves. we will make the christian life not about ourself but about other things and we will begin to lose our motivation and we will begin to lose our peace and we will begin to lose our joy and we're wondering what am i doing here why am i going through this Why do I have to keep all these rules? Why do I have to go to all these classes? Why do I have to put up with annoying roommates? We might begin to lose our love for the Lord Jesus Christ and remember why we came here in the first place. And remember that we were compelled, that we were constrained by the love of Christ to live for Him, to train for Him, to come to a place to draw closer to him who will lose sight of Christ and Christianity. Look with me, if you would, please. There in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 12. The Bible says, For we commend not ourselves again unto you, but give occasion to glory on our behalf, that ye may have somewhat to answer them, which glory in appearance and not in heart. If we're not careful, Christianity will become not about Christ, but it will become about keeping up appearances. We will not want to finish the semester strong because of the love of the Lord Jesus Christ, but because we're more scared of what Mama's going to say when she sees our report card. We will, we will not live for Christ. But we will live to put up appearances. We will live, live so that Dr. Getz thinks good of us, or, or our classmates think good of us, or the faculty thinks good enough of us, but not because of the Lord Jesus Christ. We will begin to do what we do because it's simply expected of us. This is what everybody else is doing, so I'm going to do it as well. Beloved, that is empty Christianity, that is joyless Christianity. That is Christianity that will not last. And maybe if you're here this morning and you find yourself in the right place, but for the wrong motives, just going through, trying to keep up appearances, but on the inside, your heart is in the far country away from God, let's come back to the love of Christ this morning. For it is the love of Christ that will motivate us. It is the love of Christ that will keep us on course. It was the love of Christ that kept Paul going what motivated that shepherd boy to go down to the valley to fight Goliath. He was there just at his father's request to take provisions, to check on his brothers and bring them some provisions and their captain. And when he got there, David in 1 Samuel chapter 17, Goliath came out and he made the same challenge that he had made for 40 days to send a man to fight with me. And David looked around and not one soldier took him up. David wondered why. Elijah began to fuss at him, his oldest brother. He said, David, I know the naughtiness of your heart. I know your pride. You just came to see the battle. You just came to see, see some bloodshed. David looks around and says, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? They bring him to Saul, and Saul says, you can't do it. You're but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. David, you can't win. As he looks around and as Goliath comes out, he sees all the soldiers scattered in fear. What was it that took that shepherd boy, despite the objection of his oldest brother, despite the objection of the king, despite the fear of the soldiers, what was it that took him down there to fight that giant? That all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. His cause was God, his motivation was God, and it didn't matter if the soldiers were scared and it didn't matter if his oldest brother didn't agree and it didn't matter if the king didn't think he could win, he was there because of God. Amen. If I think of Numbers chapter 13 and the story of the 12 spies. Turn with me if you would there. So the Numbers Chapter number 13, Moses sent 12 spies, you know the story, to spy out the promised land, Canaan's fair and happy land, and 10 of them come back and they talk about the walled cities and they talk about the giants and they say, we can't do it. Verse number 30, the Bible says, And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Caleb said, let's go. I don't care how big the giants are. I don't care how big the walls of Jericho are. I don't care how many warring nations are over there. Let's go, right now. And by the way, beloved, this summer, if you're going home, I hope that you'll get into your pastors here and you'll say, hey pastor, let's go. What do you need me to do this summer? If you're staying here, as many of the students will leave, I hope that you'll find your ministry leader and say, hey, I'm still here, let's go. What can I do to serve Jesus alongside of you? I hope that we will have a let's go type of attitude, motivated by the Lord Jesus Christ. Caleb said, let's go. We see his motivation as the people weep because of the men's unbelief. As chapter 14 starts, Caleb says to them in verse number 8 of chapter 14, If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it us a land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not ye against the Lord. Neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us, for their defense has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. Caleb said, let's go. Don't rebel against God. This is where God is leading us. This is what God has given us. Listen, his motivation was God. He didn't care if other men didn't believe. He didn't care how big the enemy was. He knew it's what God had for them. And he said, let's go. Beloved, I would like to tell you that ministry is going to be easy, whatever path God leads you in. But there's always going to be naysayers. There's always going to be people who will tell you it can't be done. That's why we need to be motivated by the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why he needs to be our driving force. He needs to be our reason. Because it is the love of Christ that will constrain us. Growing up in in Indiana... When God used Pastor Chapel and others that came and preached at my Bible college and God put California in my heart, I went home and told mom and dad, I would like to tell you that they were excited for me, but they weren't. Because California's a long way from Indiana. I would like to tell you that my youth pastor, tremendous man of God was excited for me, but he wasn't. And I heard things like, California? Land of fruits and nuts, earthquakes, you're gonna fall off into the ocean? Do they even believe the bible in california why would you go there for the love of christ constraineth me oh beloved jesus must be our motivation we are not here to please men we are not here to keep up appearances we are not here for wealth or fame we are here because of the lord jesus christ because he is worthy and we have made a decision, just as Paul said if he was willing to die for me, then I should be willing to live for him. That must be our motivation in the Christian life. Back to our text of 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. We see Paul's motivation, but then we see his ministry. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 in verse number 16, the Bible says. To wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. Paul said, God has given me a ministry, and it's a ministry of reconciliation. It's a ministry of seeing lost, hopeless sinners come to know an all-powerful, loving, holy God made possible through the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said, that's the ministry that God has given me, a ministry of reconciliation. And Paul said there in verse 16, wherefore henceforth know we no man after the flesh. You see, the way that Paul saw people was not a fleshly way, but he saw them as souls in need of a Savior. If God would help us to see people as he sees them, There comes a time in ministry where the bus kids aren't so cute. There comes a time when the teenagers are just downright rebellious and very annoying. There comes a time when people can become obstacles, annoyances, hindrances. We're fired up. We want to charge hell with a squirt gun. We want all the earth to know about God. But it's very easy to begin to look at people and get hard. The Bible says that Jesus was moved with compassion when he saw the multitudes because he saw them as sheep having no shepherd. Beloved, how do you see people? Paul said, God's given me a ministry. And it's a ministry of reconciliation. It's a ministry that we need to be part of. Seeing lost people come to know a holy God through the Lord Jesus Christ. When we were candidating for Lompoc Valley Baptist Church, I was 24, my wife was 20. Never had the opportunity to work on staff somewhere, went right into the pastorate. My wife did not get to finish Bible college. We got the call to Lompoc while she was still finishing up her courses. We were there and we were candidating and they sent us out so winning together and we were knocking on a a senior mobile home park and we met a lady by the name of sue bowen sue bowen had been visited many times by the mormon missionaries as they call them they had told her that she needs to come to their church she they had told her that she needs to give money or she has no hope of the afterlife whatsoever we went to Sue Bowen and we gave her the beautiful gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We told her that it was not by works, it was not by church attendance, it was not by giving money, for by grace are you are saved through faith, we told her. Sue Bowen began to cry. She said, you mean I don't have to give money to the church? She said, you mean I don't have to do good work? She said, you mean I don't have to be good enough? She bowed her head and trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as her Savior. Beloved, there's nothing like the ministry of reconciliation. Monday I was at work, and we have a Christian school there. A little girl by the name of Lulu, her name's Leiluna, we call her Lulu. I believe she's in second grade. She's a big Muppets baby fan, and she tells me waka waka jokes all the time. And I enjoy that. I see her and I say, waka, waka. And she says, waka, waka back to me. She came up and said, I got saved. Beloved, there's nothing like the ministry of reconciliation. Yesterday, one of our kindergartners, her name is Hope. We never talk. We never talk. She's a quiet, shy little girl. She came up to me and said, pastor. I said, yes. Yes. She said, I got saved today. Hug. (laughs) Beloved, there's nothing like the ministry of reconciliation. Paul said, God's given me a ministry. And it's to see people come to know Christ. It's to see people come to a saving knowledge. It's to see people's eternity change from the flames of hell to the sweetness of heaven. It is to see them reconciled to a heavenly Father. Beloved, that's the same ministry that God has given to us. Turn with me, if you would, please, over the book of James, some more very well known scriptures. James in chapter number four. James in chapter number four and verse number 13. The Bible says, Go to now. You that say today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say "If the Lord will we shall live and do this or that. But now ye rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Beloved, a lot of the times people just talk a good talk. They find comfort in their boastings. They find fulfillment in their boastings. They talk about what they're going to do for God one day. Yet present day they are doing absolutely nothing for the cause of Christ. Beloved, don't just talk about ministry. Don't just talk about what you're going to do one day. You're in the ministry now. Live for Jesus today. Hey, listen, do all your best in those classes. Put your all into whatever college ministry you're in. You be that roommate that is a light for the Lord Jesus Christ in that room. You do your best to make West Coast Baptist College its best. Don't become a critic. Don't become a complainer. God is too good. Say, I'm going to be an ambassador. I'm going to be a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ. He died for me. I'm going to live for him. And I'm going to represent Jesus with my life. I'm not just going to talk about it. I'm going to live it. I'm going to do it. I'm not just going to talk about what I'm going to do one day after I graduate. One day when I'm in full-time Christian ministry. One day... I'm going to do it today. Paul said, God has given me a ministry. And it's a ministry of reconciliation. Beloved, we are all part of that ministry of reconciliation. Back to 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, if you would please. Life is fleeting. I look at the man in the mirror and I say, how in the world did you get so old? You got gray in your beard? You have less hair than you used to? Life goes by quick. And if we don't live with purpose and some drive and motive, which is Christ, If we don't realize God's given us a great ministry, we are his representatives, if we don't live with that purpose, life will be so empty and meaningless. 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, Paul reminds us that this world is not our home and that there's more than just this life. He says in verse number eight, we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. And that is why we do what we do. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every one may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Beloved, one day we're going to stand before God and give an account of ourselves. One day God's going to say, I sent my son to die for you. I opened up the door, made it possible for you to go to West Coast Baptist College. I gave you great Bible instructors. I gave you ministry opportunities. What have you done with it? What have you done with it? Beloved, it is so easy to lose sight of Christ in the Christian life. It is so easy to just go through the motions. It is so easy just to count the days until school's out and coast until we're done. It is so easy to talk about what we're going to do one day. It is so easy to focus on the negatives and the annoying people and make excuses and do nothing for Christ. All right, silly illustration. How many of you are cat people? Yeah, yeah. God bless you, I guess. How many of you are dog people? Yes, amen. Praise the Lord. Man's best friend. I'm sure it's in the Bible somewhere. No, not really. Dogs know their name. Dogs come when you call. They go on walks with you. They protect the house. I'm a dog guy, in case you can't tell. So, but my lovely daughter, who's a student here at West Coast Baptist College, she loves cats, I don't know why anyway. She loves cats, so we have cats. We have three cats. Here's my three cats, I'm going to college. Yay, praise the Lord. Thanks, daughter. And cats are annoying, I'm sorry. Cats are needy. They come up, they rub up against you, they get hair all over you, getting ready for church, and there they go rubbing up against you. They meow for absolutely no reason. You gotta do everything for them. Cats are just annoying creatures. We went through three cats. Got a cat, disappeared. Got two cats, disappeared. They leave you, cats. But there's one cat that we have that if he wants some attention, I'll give it to him. I know, don't judge me too harshly. When he comes up and he meows, I will stop and I will bend down and I will pet him. When I'm sitting in my chair, if he jumps on my lap, I don't shoo him off. I will give him some love. You know why? Because that cat disappeared for two months and came back to us. The other cats left and didn't come back, but that cat came back. He fought mountain lions. He fought grizzly bears. He withstood crazy cat ladies, and he eventually made his way back to my house. (laughs) You can't prove it didn't happen that way. And that cat I love, you know why? Because he came back. Beloved, we love the Lord because he first loved us. Our motivation for the Christian life must be Christ. It must be Christ. He came, and he died for me. He was perfect and sinless, but he took those nails, those beatings that striped the spit in his face for my lies and my pride and my anger and my sin. He did that for me. If he was willing to die for me, then I should be willing. To live for him. It's a joy to talk to God in prayer, it is a joy to read his Bible, it is a joy to sit in class, it is a joy to train for the next step, it is a joy to tell people about Jesus, it is a joy to serve Jesus. But if we lose sight of him, it becomes vanity, it becomes mechanical. We become critics. Nothing is right and everything's annoying. Nothing is sweet and nothing is joyful. Because all of that is found in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. I've had the privilege to pastor 19 years yesterday. I would like to tell you that every church member has liked me, but they haven't. I would like to tell you every deacon has been on board for every decision I've made, but they haven't. I would like to tell you that the city was extremely kind to us during COVID, but they weren't. I'd like to tell you that we've always had enough money and laborers and the church has always been unified, but that's not true. But do you know who has been consistent? My savior. He has been with me every step of the way. He has picked me up when I have fallen. He has given me strength when I am weak. He has given me peace when I'm stressed out. Beloved, may God help us to be constrained by the love of Christ.